Welcome to the Anyona Podcast. On this show, we cover everything you need to know from early childhood development and education to parenting tips and much more. Now over to our hosts, Tracy and Zoe. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today we're coming to you from the lands of the Yagara and Turrbal land. And today we have a very special guest with us from Nature Play, Rebecca. Rebecca, I'd just like to hand over to you to acknowledge which lands you are coming to us from today. Today I'm sitting in southeast Queensland, which is the Yugambeh language region. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rebecca. So, as you can tell from our introduction, today we have a special guest with us, which is very exciting, from Nature Play. And today we're going to be discussing all things relating to play in nature and the importance of that, especially in early childhood education. At Ariona, we're huge advocates of outdoor play and when uh, the weather allows, we are out there as much as we can. Probably the only time we do come inside is when the UV gets a little bit too high. Our children understand that, so it's a very important part of our learning. But also, I'd just like to acknowledge that this week is Reconciliation Week as we are recording, so I think it's also probably going to be very important to acknowledge First Nations perspectives on outdoor learning as well over this week. So, Rebecca, it's fantastic to have you here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Rebecca, maybe we could just start by you explaining just a little bit about what Nature Play is. Yes, so Nature Play Queensland is a program of Outdoors Queensland. It's a non-profit organisation and we support families. We work with communities, education centres, schools and many community partners just to get kids outdoors. So our mission is to increase the time that kids spend in unstructured play outdoors and in nature. And I guess it's because we know that outdoor nature play is fundamental to a full and healthy childhood. It's fantastic. And certainly principles that we at Adiona agree with and support and, you know, we'll work with your organisation in implementing. So, Rebecca, you were saying how important outdoor, unstructured outdoor play is. Can you give us some, some of the benefits for our young children in having that time outside playing? Well, the benefits are so extensive that outdoor free play really supports their holistic development, overall learning, and really importantly, their well-being, their emotional and mental health. There's a lot of research that tells us that when children have experiences out in nature, they're more resilient, they're healthier and happier. So it really does support the whole child. And you work across a couple of different contexts. So you work with organisations, as you said, like ours, but also with families, families and young children in general. So in an environment like Adiona, we try and provide an outdoor environment as natural as possible, given the constraints of space and risk assessments and all of those Mm. things that we need to be doing. What can families be doing on their weekends or their free time to be giving children that exposure? Yeah, I think one of the wonderful things about nature is that there's all these beautiful, what we call nature's loose parts. And that's if we do step outside in our backyards or on either our council spaces, our community parks, there's petals, leaves, seed pods, sticks, all of those things that are just naturally there. And they have these endless possibilities of play. And so while some children might go out and and collect them because the colours are beautiful and there's red and yellow leaves, parents can do a whole range of different activities. And in fact, we provide a whole lot of resource sheets that are completely free, all digitally downloadable on our website to support families, to give them ideas 
about what they can do in these spaces. Particularly over COVID, we heard lots of messages about get outside, go to parks, go to playgrounds, and families did, but then the playgrounds were cordoned off. And sometimes when there's not an activity or a playground, families can get a little bit stumped. And so earth art is one of the most amazing things that I think children and families love together. And that's just collecting things like the petals and sticks and seed pods and creating, making patterns, making mandalas, arranging them in colours and just creating whatever you want with those things. There's no paint, there's no glue, don't need paper. You just pick up whatever's around you in your backyard and create on the ground. That's called ephemeral art and it's very transient. So at the end of the day, it'll blow away with the wind or wash away in the rain and the next day you can go back and create again. So I think there's lots of opportunities It's just having those ideas to know what to do when you get out there. And I love that idea of that transient art and the impact that has on children's understanding of sustainability as well and how Mm. we always have to be gluing things onto a piece of paper or adding glitter or anything. We can find amazing um, creative aspects in the environment. Absolutely. And if we go to an art gallery, not everything is on a white rectangle piece of canvas on the wall. There are structures 3D, there's, you know, it's very multimedia. And I suppose exposing them to that nature art is just supporting their creativity and expression in another way. I have to say that probably one of my favourite things about being outdoors with children is that it really allows them to show where their imagination is at it. It's probably Mm -hmm. one of the few areas that is, you can be completely child-led with no agenda from adults whatsoever. And I'm thinking about examples of my own children of going to the beach and instead of building castles or the things that you think they will do, they'll spend hours feeding the ocean by throwing sand in it and pretending it's a monster eating the sand (laughs) and all of the hours of play um, like this. And we had a very deep, meaningful learning experience with my daughter who had a leaf that broke down, which we then had to have a funeral for the leaf and grieve the leaf and draw, write obituaries for the leaf. a huge life learning lesson. That is one of the big things. The imagination really, really is inspired by all of those natural things because there is those endless possibilities. I think a lot of the commercial type toys that we buy have a very desired outcome or desired, you know, intended use. Yes. Um, And so you've got to play with those kind of toys in certain ways. And when children do get to the beach or a stack of sticks and leaves, there's nothing telling them how it has to be played with or what they do. So it allows for them to just have that free form, imagination, creativity. And, you know, you you can be in one play space with a whole group of children and, and one group over here are creating little structures and making them dragon's dens and someone else is making fairy houses and someone else is saving the injured lizard by creating a little home with lizard with all the sticks. So it is that really open-endedness about all of those nature's loose parts that make it so valuable. Absolutely. Would you agree that the other key ingredient that we need to give children outdoors is time? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why we're so committed to our mission. You know, for some of us that are older, if I think back to my childhood, I got to come home every afternoon and kick off my shoes and go outside and ride bikes and slide down hills on cardboard and build cubbies and play in the creek. And the same every weekend. And I, I'm really fortunate and blessed to have that experience. 
but a lot of children today don't have those same opportunities. You know, some children don't have a backyard where we're living in flats and units. We might not have a park that's close by. We might not have the suitable supervision. And we do have that fear in society about the safety when children are heading outdoors. Children of today have less opportunity to be outdoors. So they have less opportunity to play freely. Also, we've seen the increase in devices and children spending more and more time on screens. And again, that has affected the amount of time that they have to play. So giving them that time is a big key. So would you say that one of Nature Play's objectives then is just to get families and children at centres, schools, everywhere, just more time outside and really making it a priority to get out on the weekends and just have some free time at the park or at bushwalk or, or something like that outside? Yeah, I think everybody can kind of do their bit. There's enough research and evidence to show that children aren't having those opportunities and there may be limited times for families in afternoons if there's long work hours. But in those cases, those children are spending long hours in early childhood centres or schools and after school care settings where those educators can make a more dedicated time to be spending outdoors. And then we were talking before about imagination, about, you know, children can be completely free with all the loose parts that they have available to them in nature. Mm. What would you say to parents who have children who, when they're outdoors, you know, it starts with, uh, well, I'm bored, what can we do? The park's closed, you know, those sorts of things. And I know you mentioned before your website, which sounds like it has some great, amazing prompts on it that parents could go armed with. But what would you, how would you encourage children to keep going if they're having trouble getting started with playing independently outdoors? Yeah, I think when children haven't had many experiences playing outdoors, sometimes they can kind of like, say, you know, what what do I do out there? Because they're used to having these toys and resources that have very clear ways of playing with them. I think if you're an educator, you would have heard of the word provocation before. Uh, Maybe that's more new for families, but just providing something that is a little bit of an inspiration. And and it could be sitting like often with the nature art, I just sit down and do a little bit. And, you know, families can do that and you'll find that children will just join and then they'll do it. And from then on, every time they go to the park, it's like, that's something in their tool belt that they can keep going back to and doing. It might be setting up. Sometimes I just grab some sticks and I might put the sticks out on the ground and do some running and leaping. And children just naturally gravitate that kind of inspirational provocation and and children will run and leap and, and then they'll start doing two sticks and pulling them further apart and making obstacle course where they're going to jump in some and hop in another. I think it's just starting it in a little way, giving them those little ideas about what you can do outside. And then adults can kind of step back. And I think once children have done those little things once, parents don't need to keep reintroducing them. Children will just do that naturally because they have that those skills under their belt. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that you touched on something else too, that as the parents can step back, it allows for more opportunities for children to engage in problem solving as well. So Mm -hmm. be that social, that if they're down at the park and they start a game and other children come and join in, which is quite often what happens, they make new friends for other children saying, yeah, that looks fun. I want in on that action. Or even making the obstacle course. Oh, well, we had in our head that we wanted a hoop. How are we going to make that? It's not turning out quite how we envisioned. I think the outdoor space is a really, really good space for children to really practice those problem solving and resilience skills. Yes, absolutely. Nature just provides a lot of inconsistencies and irregularities and all those things kind of present 
problems and challenges. And if we allow children the time to be able to kind of work those out, engage in thinking skills, collaboration, communication with their peers about how they're going to overcome those challenges, we see their resilience really bolstered in that type of play. You are from Nature Play Queensland and we're all based here in Brisbane. I think we can all attest that the weather hasn't been mm. ideal for outdoor play necessarily <laughs> lately. Um, so yeah. what opportunities do different types of weather and the rain and the puddles present for families and children outdoors? Yeah, I think it, it has been challenging weather, but amongst that, it has predominantly happened over summer where it's not particularly cold. Um, yeah. So we can still let children get outside, you know, even if it's just short periods of time or we put the right outfits on them or have spare sets of clothes so that they, you know, can get dry afterwards. But children innately learn about their environment through their sensory experiences, you know, through all that hands-on stuff, using their whole bodies. And so being outdoors and being able to jump in puddles and, and play with mud, they're all sensory exploration. So it's where all the rich learning really, really occurs. Yep, they could get a bit wet and could get a bit muddy. But you need to think about all the benefits they're getting from that. You know, there's lots of research that backs up even how much healthier children are if they spend more time outdoors in the fresh air, getting vitamin D. It actually boosts their immune system. You know, it's kind of a bit of a myth that if kids go out and play in the rain, they're going to get sick. They actually get sick from a germ, not from rain and being cold or anything. But, you know, there's some great wet weather gear out there as well if parents are concerned about that. And yeah, whilst there's been challenging weather, I think there's still a lot of breaks in between that. And sometimes the other thing is bringing nature inside. In our early childhood spaces, we spend a lot of time, you know, having baskets and things. And when there is those breaks in the rain, going outside, collecting lots of things, and then bringing them in on the veranda inside and using that nature in our play and learning opportunities inside. So they're still getting to have that hands-on sensory experience to learn. Absolutely. Fantastic. You know, there isn't a child on the planet who doesn't love to jump in a good puddle when it's available (laughs) and see how high they can get that splash. I was just going to say, I work a lot in bush kindy programs. And if I think back about all of the days that really stand out in my memory, that either children keep retelling the stories of that amazing day or even my own memories are often the big rainy days. And there's so much to learn from rain and water and puddles and things as well. So, yeah, don't hold back. Absolutely. Get out there and have fun with it. Is there anything else, Rebecca, that you would like to mention about the work that Nature Play Queensland does? I guess we're out there to support everybody in the community. Like I mentioned, we we have a lot of resources and a lot of things on our website and, and in our socials for families, and it's all there just readily accessible. People can download it straight away on their phone. We do get out and about into early childhood centres and schools and go and visit, and whether that's supporting them to create and build some nature play spaces or taking their curriculum outdoors. So there's some amazing schools in Queensland that are taking their curriculum, all of the different subjects outdoors every single day, just so that children are having this enriched learning and reaping these benefits of of nature. So it's an exciting space. Fantastic. And we'll put all the links to all of that information up in the show notes today as well, so that it's easy, um, it's there for um, our families and anyone listening to access. Zoe, did you have any questions you'd like to jump in with? I've just got um, something that I've been pondering while I've been listening to Rebecca chat. I don't know if 
you're very aware of it, Rebecca, but I'll just explain it for families. There is this early Australian early development census that's conducted every few years and it it's done while children are at school and it gauges their development over five key areas up until that point in the, during their early childhood. And it's emotional, language, communication, social and physical. And across Queensland, we uh, have more vulnerable children than the Australian average. And listening to all the things that you've been talking about with Nature Play, I can see the amazing benefits that that could have for people in accessing that because it's, you know, Nature Play can be done without needing very many resources. And I guess that's one of the things that I really appreciate about Nature Play is that it opens the world up to anyone of any socioeconomic level. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's accessible anywhere. I think one of the key things when you just talked about all those kind of different areas of development is how important being engaged and immersed in nature is for our mental and emotional well-being. And I think now more than ever in our society, we've all had a couple of very challenging years with pandemics and floods and, and things like that. There is so much research that backs it up, but you know, significantly we see it every day in our practice, how children feel so much more supported and we see their optimum development really well supported in those outdoor spaces. You know, the moment we all step outside and into those nature spaces, it is calmer. We do feel more relaxed. We see children actually focus and attend more. So particularly when we see um, lessons and curriculum taken outdoor, their attention span is is doubled because it is a, a calmer place. They have opportunities for their mind to be kind of clear and just really focused on the task at hand. And be, I think because they're also engaging their whole body, they're so involved and so engaged. And that's quite a different learning space compared to some of our very busy classrooms that have lots of stimulation around us and lots of noise and visual stimulation and lots going on. Having those sort of freer, calmer spaces outdoors to engage in learning, we're seeing really big benefits. And particularly, I think with all students, but particularly we're seeing some really significant results um, with children with additional needs. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is really lovely to see it in practice and see how children are blossoming. And we're having some schools that are, you know, keeping statistics and data to kind of show those increases in performance, um, both academically as well as all those other areas of like social, mental and emotional well-being. Rebecca, is there a place that families can see the schools that are embracing the Nature Play way <laughs> for when they're looking for schools to enrol their children in down the track? We do have um, the educator provider status, which is a a celebration of those early childhood centres and schools and ushers that are going above and beyond the the norm and, you know, taking kids outside to enrich their learning. So you can head to our website and, you know, you can put in that you live at Brisbane and it'll show you those schools that are doing it. There are a lot across. They're not all on our education providers today, so particularly in our schools, it's just a very new space. And I guess if people are wanting to see things, you can, you know, there's even stuff on YouTube. Berenbar East State School is one of our exemplary examples of a school doing amazing stuff in outdoors and really seeing the benefits in their children's academic performance, social performance, attendance, and across the board, really positive results. Fantastic. Sounds like there's a lot to be excited about and it's making me want to take my laptop outside and do my work outside today already. Yeah. Really very inspired. I, um, can I share one thing about people absolutely. often ask why 
why is unstructured play so important? Yeah. And if we think about our lives, even as adults, our lives today compared to maybe what our parents were, we're very busy. There's a lot yeah. going on in society and there's a lot of demands on us. And children's lives are very, you know, adult-led, very structured, very busy. And they're not having enough of those opportunities just for free play. But what we see when they engage in free play, so when they are heading outside and, you know, they can do maths with leaves and sticks instead of having a worksheet because they're choosing whether it's sticks or leaves or seed pods and they're choosing and having, I guess, um, input and engagement in making decisions about their play and learning. There's this real sense of intrinsic motivation. So it's coming from within that kind of drives them to stay focused, to stay attentive, to stay really engaged. And that learning becomes a lot deeper because of that intrinsic motivation. So much of children's lives is from external adults telling them, and particularly in, in, in school and early learning, there's adults telling them all day what to do, how to do, where they've got to do everything. And, you know, there's a reason for all of that. But when they're given those opportunities to make their own decisions about play and learning, um, and we see that in outside, that intrinsic motivation really keeps them engaged. And so the amount of learning that occurs when it's child-led and there's that little bit more unstructured or just freedom, I guess, for children to make those decisions. And and there might just be small decisions instead of having to use plastic counters for maths. It's like, well, everyone head outside. You've all got a bag. You, we need to collect 20 nature items. Just that little bit of freedom where children go, well, I'm collecting 20 seed pods. And another child might go, well, I'm going to collect 20 different items and none of them are going to be the same. Those yes. little things are so valuable to children that they're already like, well, these are my seed pods. I collected them. So, you know, there's that intrinsic drive to want to engage in that activity. So I think there's, yeah, so many reasons why outdoor play and learning work well. Something that just popped into my head when you were talking then, Rebecca, too, is that I think that by providing children with the opportunity to play outside and engage with the environment, it really sparks that passion and joy and I think that will translate into, you know, those conversations about looking after the environment mm. and sustainability and diff- the way that different cultures approach that, including, you know, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, cultures that we have and, and looking at all of that. It can bring so much into um, what we do. Absolutely. The moment you head out and take a class group of children out and start collecting leaves, those conversations come up about, you know, we're not picking leaves from the tree. And, and why not, you know, and, and who needs all those flowers on the trees? So those conversations about caring for country are there every day. And so from the get-go, the moment you're experiencing and immersing yourself in nature, there's that respect for the environment and showing appreciation that, you know, we are just using what we need. Um, and like the earth art, it's created and then it just stays there, blows away. We're not like wasting, it's not ending up in the bin it's very sustainable. So all those kind of sustainable practices and, and connections to Indigenous perspectives are just embedded and throughout all of those experiences when you're outdoors. And I, I think the flow on, you know, as they're going around looking to pick up leaves and see so seeing the rubbish that has been left, and then mm. it's a really good lesson in, you know, how do we make sure, how do we reduce what has happening there? Like how can we recycle? How can we make sure people are putting their rubbish in their bins? We're really making them responsible citizens just by something as simple as go outside and pick up 20 leaves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because they do particularly see that in school grounds when I do those activities. Yeah. They notice the rubbish and, and those conversations start. 
I noticed in early childhood spaces when they're playing in those nature spaces and they're taking notice of all those leaves and flowers and they're asking, well, what's this plant called and and what's this tree and um, and then getting to learn about those particular plants and trees and particularly our native flora and fauna. Um, and that really lends itself to making those connections to culture. You know, a lot of our native plants have traditional uses, whether that's medicine, tools and resources or food. And so all of those kind of conversations just naturally are sparked when children are outdoors engaging with all of those kind of plants and leaves and things like that. Excellent. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rebecca. That I think that we could possibly talk about this subject all day because, as you said, mm-hmm. playing outside lends itself to so many developmental opportunities. But above all, it's just fun. It's just great. And as you said, good yeah. for our, our mental health, you know, ours and the children's, everybody's Absolutely. to get out there, especially, as you said, to get some vitamin D while the sun is shining. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rebecca. I really, really appreciate it. As I said, we'll put some links to Nature Play Queensland into our show notes so that people can click through. Um, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram. We are. Um, we you have a website, a Twitter. Okay, there we go. TikTok yet? Um, <laughs> and of course, um, you can talk to any of our directors at our services. We are all subscribed to the Nature Play Queensland newsletters and are across all their events. Are you doing the mud play this we, year? Because you've certainly got plenty of it available. <laughs> yes, there have been mud world events in the past, but I guess a few years ago we kind of made those decisions and, and weighed up whilst there's masses of benefits for children engaging in mud play to kind of construct an activity where we're actually bringing mud and water in when there's some towns that have no water. Um, So no, we just, we encourage everyone to get out and find their own little mud puddle somewhere else. Definitely out there in lots of our spaces. That's right. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, Rebecca. And thank you for everyone for listening. We'll put those resources up and hopefully we'll have you back again to talk about it again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the Adiona Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more fascinating insights into the early childhood development process. And don't forget to rate and review the show so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode of the Adiona Podcast.